I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump right into our message this morning. Lord, I pray that I speak your word clearly. As, as Steve prayed this morning, God, that, that we would be hungry for your word, that we wouldn't be hungry for human opinions or, or anything like that, that we wouldn't want to just have our ears tickled, but that we would truly um, look to you and say, God, what is your word? What is truth? Even if it is um, uncomfortable, would you speak this morning, God? Would you give me the words that are, that are true? And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, we are on the last two fruit of the Spirit. Can you believe it? It's been a long road, but we're, we're coming to the end of it. And so I'm not going to recap them other than to say, please do go back and listen to them because I, I believe that this is one of those um, series that, that if, you, if you comprehend it and if you allow it to get into your heart, it will change how you live as a Christian for the better. I hope. But we, we kind of started with the real basics, love and joy and peace, because without those things, everything else that you do as a Christian isn't going to work. You're, you're not going to be able to, as we get to the end, some of these really difficult, mature believer type fruit is not going to be possible if, if you haven't started with those basics. And that's why the Bible says we need to stay in step with the Spirit. The Spirit's going to lead us into all of this. And so today, not to, to not hold off too long, we're going to be talking about gentleness. What's exciting about this is gentleness is the last of the three that seem really similar. You guys remember when I said there's three of them, there's three of the fruit of the Spirit that seemed really similar. There's kindness, there's goodness, and there's gentleness. And they all seem really similar. Like, why didn't Paul just lump them all together as like, be a good person, be nice, don't be mean, and leave it at that? Why would he take three separate words and differentiate them like that? And we talked about how for all three of those words, there, there are those things that are in common of like, hey, don't be mean, be a, a good person. And that's kind of basic in all three of them, but they're all used in very different contexts in the Bible when you see those words are used. And, and Paul was very intentional to list all three. And so we started with kindness, how kindness is specifically used when you have the power, when you have the upper hand, when you have the ability to destroy somebody else. What do you do? And that as you grow and mature in your faith, as you are growing these fruits in your life, you're going to suddenly find yourself in positions where you can either be kind or not to people. And what you do when you have the power, when you have the upper hand, when you can crush somebody, that's kindness or not. And, and that's, that's what, what differentiates that word. And then we looked at the word goodness and how goodness is the character part. See, like you can do something kind just because, well, I guess I'm supposed to. But there's a part of goodness where it actually comes from your heart, where, where from the inside you have a character of goodness that represents God. God isn't a mean person who happens to do good things. God is good and he doesn't pretend to do good things. Goodness flows from who he is. And that's this fruit is when it starts to become our character, when we don't have to pretend anymore, when we don't have to say, I don't want to, 
but I guess I will anyways. When we can stop being like a toddler that's been forced to apologize, you guys know what that looks like, where you're doing it, you don't want to do it, but you're doing it because you know you have to. When you start to get past that and you're like, no, I, from, from inside, I want to. This is coming from my, my, my core. That's goodness. And so now we have to look at this idea of gentleness. What, why is this word specifically used as something that's going to grow out of the life of a believer if they are being led by the Spirit of God and not being led by their sinful nature? And if you look at this word, gentleness, it actually means to be meek. So do you guys, some of you might be, remember when we went through the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, we talked a little bit about meekness. We talked a little bit about how Jesus said, blessed are those who are meek. And we discussed how we've misunderstood meekness to think that it means that you are weak because it rhymes, meek and weak. So we always just associate that, but that it's actually the opposite. You have to be strong before you can be meek. Strength is a prerequisite of being meek. You have to be strong, but then you have to know how to control it. This word gentleness, it's not exactly the same word, but they are both based on kind of the same root word. They both come from the same basic understanding of power under control. And I want to put it to you this way. Because I think we still struggle seeing the value of meekness, but we're kind of getting into hunting season right now. So let me put it to you this way. If you're going to go hunting with somebody, you probably want someone who knows how to shoot a bow pretty well. That's like a good prerequisite of someone who can shoot well, hit the target. That's good. But I think even more than that, at least for me, I would rather go hunting with someone who is in control of themselves, right? I don't, even if someone is a crack shot, the best bow hunter I've ever seen, if they hear a sound and just fire and shoot, I don't want to go hunting with that person. I would rather go hunting with someone who's not that great of a shot, but is in control of themselves and will wait until they really understand what the situation needs in order to go with them. It's the same way, yes, Having strength is, is huge. You got to be able to shoot it, but then you got to have it under control. You got to know when it's time to put your strength on display and when that strength is not needed in that situation. That's meekness. And that's what Jesus said about himself. That's not us attributing it. He's like, I am meek from his own mouth. Be like me. I have all the power but I am under control. There were so many times where he was like, if I wanted to right now, I could say the word and I could destroy all these people. I have that power at my command all the time, but I choose to have it under control. We talked about how Peter was kind of the opposite. Peter was always trying to show off how strong he was. And even when Jesus was being arrested, he was cutting off people's ears. He didn't have it under control. He was that bow hunter that heard a sound and just turned and shot. And Jesus scolded him and was like, that's not what you're called to be. That's not who I am. Power is not a problem for me. Power has never been a problem. The question is, do you have it under control? So you might be asking, okay, is this like kindness then? 
Because kindness is when you have the upper hand. So if it's like you have power, but you have it under control, isn't it the same as kindness? And here's where we have to differentiate it a little bit. And I'm going to bring you to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. So this is just after the fruit of the Spirit is listed in Galatians. This is what Paul says. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. That's where this word is used, is, is restoring somebody. So let me give you a little bit of context to this. Because I told you last week when we were reading in Thessalonians how Paul was like, I thank God for you because you're growing in love and faith. And I kind of said, because in the majority of Paul's letters, he's like, what are you guys doing? Knock it off. Would you get it together? And so when he was writing to the Thessalonians, he was like, oh, I thank God for you because you're a church I don't have to yell at all the time. And so in, in, in Galatians, this church, what was happening is there was a lot of people who were, who were falling into sin. They were getting trapped in sin. And even though they, they kind of knew scripture, they were, they were getting trapped, kind of like Steve had said this morning. And so he's, he's talking to this church and he's like, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. And he specifically uses that, that word gently as this is the way to restore that person. And the first thing that we need to understand is when you look at when this word gentleness is used in the scripture, the majority of the time it is used, it is used in the context of correcting somebody else. That's when this, this word is used almost every single time. How many of you guys like to be corrected? How many of you guys like to be criticized, told you did something wrong, right? Correction is tricky. Let me just say that. Correction is tricky. We don't like to be corrected, especially by people you care about, by people that you respect, by people you want to like you. We do not like to be corrected. In fact, if, if I were to, after this service, be like, hey, do you have a minute? I got to correct you on something. What emotions are going through your head? You guys are probably getting fight or flight. You're like, I'm out of here. How do I avoid this? I like... You can probably even feel your blood pressure start to change even by imagining that conversation. We do not like to be corrected. We do not like to be criticized, which is interesting because the Bible talks all over it, Proverbs and throughout, about how good correction is, about how God corrects the ones he loves. In fact, if God is not correcting you, that's when you should be worried because it says he corrects the one he loves. Proverbs talks all about how wise people are the ones who receive correction. And the Bible is clear. Yet somehow we struggle to view correction as a positive. Most of the time because we don't like to even have something insinuated that we did something wrong. And it's funny. If I were to say, do you ever do anything wrong? Most of you would be like, yes, of course I do. I'm not perfect. And, but if I was like, are you okay if I correct you right now? You would be like, not at all. Do not talk to me about that. We can mentally understand that we don't do everything right. And we don't. And I, I believe me, I don't do everything right. Even today, I guarantee I will have certain things that I'll do that would be worthy of being corrected. But we struggle 
with this. And I will say, even being a leader, this is one of the trickiest things is because that's part of your role is to correct. But it's also one of the most difficult and tricky things to do because it's so hard to not have people take that personally, like you're attacking who they are. Even if the Bible says correction's good, if someone corrects you, that probably means that they love you. And let me just say, as you are following the Spirit, as you're staying in step with the Spirit, and man, you've got love, and you've got joy, and you've got peace, and you're being kind, and you have faith, you are going to be put into a position where you see something in your brothers and sisters in Christ that you have to talk to them about. And this is where it gets tricky and uncomfortable for most of us. Because if none of us like to be corrected, let me ask you this, how many of you like to correct other people? Now, maybe more of you would say yes to that, but the majority of us would be really uncomfortable with that as well. Because probably you've tried to correct other people before and it has not gone very well. Don't raise your hand, but we all probably have that story of, I thought I did it nice. I thought I was good. And, and I really, really hurt that person's feelings. So let me read to you another um, letter from Paul. This is to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 21. And like I said, the Corinthians were another church that Paul was like in all of his letters, what are you guys doing? Knock it off. This is what he says. He says, what do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline? Or shall I come in love with a gentle spirit? He was basically putting it in their court saying, this is how I, I want to be able to come to you with gentleness. Would you please receive it that way? Because I do not want to have to come to you with violence in my correction. And the next thing that we have to understand when it comes to this gentleness, especially how it relates to correction, is that there is a right and a wrong way to correct people. Most of us have experienced the wrong way before, right? There's a right and a wrong way to correct. When, um, when Les and I were going through premarital counseling, there was a phrase that was said that has stuck with me for the rest of my life, and it was, you can be right, but wrong at the top of your lungs. Basically meaning, even if you are technically correct, you can be wrong in how you approach it. And that it's not just about how correct you are. It's about, are you correct in the correct way? It's kind of ironic how you can be incorrectly correct, isn't it? But most of you know that. If you're coming in screaming, if you're coming in violent, it's not the right way to correct other people. And let me just say, if you are called to correct somebody else, and again, if you're a parent, maybe it's, it's your children. If you're a ministry leader, maybe it's someone underneath you. If you're married, maybe it's your spouse, whatever. If you are in that position where you see something wrong in someone else and you know I have to talk to them about it, take it very seriously because there is a wrong way. Even if you are correct in your correction, there is a wrong way to do it. And this is why Paul is even saying, look, I, I want to come to you in a gentle spirit because that's the right way to do this. Because here's the thing, correction, if done right, can free people. Have you guys ever experienced that? Where somebody pointed out something that you had a blind spot to and you were like, oh my goodness, 
I had no idea. Now I can actually change something. And, and now that I changed something, like my life is different. You, you freed me from a trap that I was in. If correction's done that way, it actually frees. It actually heals wounds. It can be one of the most positive forces in your life. But if done aggressively, hurtfully, it does the exact opposite. It will actually chain people down more. It will cause new wounds in them. Instead of healing people, it will actually be a wounding cause in their life. And chances are the reason that most of you, if I said, what if I, after this service said, hey, do you have a minute? I need to correct you on something. Felt so awful even thinking about it is because you have had correction done incorrectly in your life. Most of us have. Most of us have been corrected in a very violent, aggressive, hurtful, unloving, ungentle way. And so now anytime we even think of criticism, correction, something that we may have done wrong, we just feel hurt. We just feel pain because of the way that it was done. And that's why Paul is like, I don't want to come in swinging. I don't want to come in like that. I want to come in with a gentle spirit because that's the way that correction is, is useful or helpful. And to be honest, it's much more of the spirit that you correct with. That's why this is the fruit of the spirit. Most of us, and I just, can I just be real with you guys? And I'll just be the first one. A lot of the times when we correct people, it's just because we want to be right. Right? Can we be honest? And we want that person to admit that we're right. And we want them to admit that they're wrong And we want to be lifted up on a pedestal of being the one who's smarter than everybody else because we're the rightiest of the right rights, right? That's why we correct. That's the heart we come in with is I'm going to prove to you how right I am and how wrong you are. That is not a gentle spirit. That's, That's a proudful, egotistical spirit. Versus coming in and saying, you are my brother or sister in Christ and I love you dearly and I can see you driving 80 miles per hour and I see a cliff coming and I have to, I have to warn you because I care deeply about you and I see where this is going and I can't keep my mouth shut anymore. That's a very different spirit to come to somebody with is, well, you did something wrong and that annoys me so you're going to hear about it versus I care really deeply about you and I can see where this is going and I don't know if you can see this cliff that's coming up. I gotta talk to you. I gotta warn you about this because I care deeply and I do not want you flying off this cliff and having to deal with those consequences. And that's why the fruit of the spirit is gentleness because the spirit is not as worried about being right about proving how smart we are, about proving that that person is wrong. But our flesh does. Our flesh wants to be right. Our sinful nature wants to be the one who's smarter than everyone else. And that's where, if you look at the fruit of the flesh, the fruit of your sinful nature, what's going to grow out of your life if you're being led by your sinful nature, there's this phrase listed in there called fits of rage. Does that sound like some of you, how some of you have been corrected in the past? just coming in swinging and you just feel like you got pummeled and there was no love in it. There was no gentleness in it. Someone was just putting you down and putting you in your place and you walked away just feeling absolutely devastated 
because that's what the flesh does. Because the flesh isn't really worried about the other person. They're worried about being right, proving the other person wrong. And when you come in with that motive, you are just coming and swinging. That's all you're really worried about. And it's not going to help anyone. It really isn't. And, and those of you who have tried to correct with that spirit, what has the fruit been? Has anyone ever been like, wow, thank you for beating me down mercilessly. I now am better. That's not how it works. But when correction is done right, it can do amazing things. And that's, it's a trend that you should be seeing now with this fruit. is something like kindness, something like faith we talked about. It's not just a badge to wear to say, hey, I did the thing. It's an actual tool that accomplishes things. It's the same with correction. This is what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. He says, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. It's so interesting because Paul is talking about how you talk to unbelievers. And not just unbelievers, not just people who don't believe in Jesus, people who are specifically opposed, trying to argue with you publicly and prove you wrong that Jesus doesn't exist. Paul says, even as you argue with those people, he uses instruct, but I would say debate is a good word. Even as you debate with those people, do it gently because Paul is saying, you have no idea what the Holy Spirit is even doing in that person who's opposing you. And if you are able to talk to them with gentleness in your spirit, you don't know they could become the next champion for Christ. But that's hard to do, especially to someone who's opposing you, someone who's coming against what you're trying to do. You got to just beat that person down, right? You got to just kick them around and get them out of the way. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we don't know what God's doing. I mean, think about Paul. Paul was opposing the church. He was holding the robes of the people who were stoning and killing Stephen, the first martyr for the faith. And Paul is saying, look, you don't know who the next champion of the faith is going to be. And so even as you're talking, even as you're trying to correct unbelievers, do it with a gentle spirit because you don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but those of you who are on Facebook, how is the church done with debating unbelievers? Have you seen a lot of gentleness on social media on how we talk to unbelievers? A lot of openings for unbelievers to come to the faith, or have we been trying to just stomp their heads in and hoping for good results. You see, the Bible talks about gentleness because what gentleness does is it allows you to speak truth, which is so important. And please listen to me. I am not telling you to let go of the truth. I'm not telling you to water the truth down. You have to speak the truth. You have to speak it boldly. But what gentleness allows you to do is it allows you to speak the truth clearly and boldly without hurting. The truth might hurt, but you are not hurting in yourself. You are leaving the door open for somebody. If that truth actually wiggles its way into their brain and the Holy Spirit 
starts to light a fire and they start to go, uh, wait, wait. Gentleness is what leaves the door open for them to say, wait a minute, maybe I need to ask some more questions about this truth. And this is what Paul is saying, is even as you're debating, even as you're correcting, lead, let gentleness do its job because you never know what God is doing in that person's life. You, you have no idea. They could come across as someone who's never going to believe in God. But how many of you would have labeled yourself that way before you came to Christ? As I'm someone who would have never believed in God. I can list story after story after story of people who are like, I, would have, I was so opposed, but the Holy Spirit did something. And we never know what God is doing behind the scenes. And so whether we are correcting our children, whether we are, are talking to our spouse about something that they're doing that's hurting us, whether we're, we're at work and have people underneath us who we're correcting, whether we're talking to unbelievers, gentleness is essential if you're correcting. Because what it allows you to do is speak truth, be real, not lie, not water things down, but also not slam the door in that relationship either. The number of times where people have argued with me and then later come and said, wait, can we talk a little bit more about that? Simply because I didn't slam the door on them. Correction was actually what allowed that to happen. But if we are living in our flesh, if we are in our sinful nature, we are going to become violent and angry because that's what our flesh is. We'll, we'll fall into those fits of rage. And like I said, those of you who are on social media, you've seen it. You've seen those posts where it's like, whoa, talk about a fit of rage. Whoa. That's what our flesh does. But here's kind of the main point I want you to take away. And this is why this has to come after faithfulness, because we talked about faithfulness. And we talked about how that's being full of faith, actually trusting God, trusting that what God says is true. And you need to have faith in order to be gentle, because if you're going to be gentle, then you have to trust that God is working with you and that he's doing more than you're doing. Because if you think the results of your correction are completely up to you. Meaning someone's doing something wrong and it's up to me to change their behavior. Then gentleness doesn't make any sense because gentleness doesn't get things done. You're going you're gonna to work in your flesh and you're going to be like, oh, I'm just going to have to beat this person down then because that's what gets results. But when you actually have faith that, oh, this isn't just up to me. I, I have to speak truth. And I have to be obedient to what God says. But God is also working. And God is also doing things I can't see. And the Holy Spirit is convicting and moving. Now gentleness becomes much more of an option. Because the results aren't really up to you. It's just, I need to speak truth. And once I do that, then I can have peace. Because I know ultimately the results are up to God. But that starts with faith. There's a, in the Bible it talks about, a watchman who's, who's kind of seated on a tower and it's, his whole job is to, to watch for danger. And it basically says, if that watchman sees danger coming and doesn't say anything, then the blood of everybody who gets killed by that enemy is on his hands because that watchman did not warn them. But it says, if that watchman sees danger coming 
and warns the people and the people decide to not listen, then the blood's not on his hands anymore because he did his job. He warned, he spoke truth. And it's the same with correction is we, we need to allow God to be the one in charge of the results. And we have to say, if I speak truth and I do it in love and I do it in gentleness, then that has to be enough for me. And I have to let the results be up to God, even if this person doesn't listen to me right away, even if they continue to, to fall short and mess up. If, if I've spoken truth, then I can have peace in it. And now we're really talking maturity now in, in the fruit of the Spirit. This is where we're getting to like some, some pretty hard things. I mean, love is like, okay, that's easy. Well, that's not easy, but it's easy to understand. It's easy to grasp. But now we're getting into these things that are a little more uncomfortable of having to correct people, how we deal with people who are against us and things like that. But correction or gentleness is absolutely essential. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray as we close. Father, first of all, I just thank you for your gentleness. God, that as you correct us, Lord, and you know I need correction every single day in my life, you never come with, with violence. You never come to, to beat me down Lord, you are always coding your correction in gentleness. You're always leaving the door open for me, Lord, to continue in my relationship with you, even as you are correcting me. And so, Lord, I just pray, first of all, that, that we each appreciate your gentleness to us, that we acknowledge that, that we are in constant need of correction and that that's not something to be scared of, that your word says that you correct those who you love and, and that your correction is simply just a sign that, that you love us, that you care about us, that you don't want to see us hurt. And Lord, as, as you give us opportunities to speak correction into others' lives, Lord, would you grant us that same gentleness, Lord God, that same gentle spirit, Lord God, that's willing to listen even. As this person that we're correcting uh, talks and shares their heart and their thoughts, Lord, that, that we would, would be less worried about them admitting that we're right and just much more worried about that person that we're talking to, letting, really listening to what they're saying, to what, what, what's going on in their life, Lord God. And I pray that, that there would be much fruit in that, Lord God, because we know you are working behind the scenes to any of anyone we're correcting, Lord God, whether it's our brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it's unbelievers, Lord God, wherever it is, Lord, would you give us, just fill us with that gentleness, that gentleness Lord. And let us start by receiving your gentleness, Lord God. But we can only do that if we receive your correction as well. And so, Lord, would we be people that are not scared of correction, especially not from you, God, that, that we would boldly ask for it because we know that's who you are. You are gentle and you will always correct us in gentleness, Lord God. Lord, I thank you for your truth. I pray that each of us would not water it down, that we would not try to be ashamed of it, Lord, that we would speak it, Lord, but that we would speak it in gentleness, in spirit, Lord God, 
because that is who you are and that is the fruit of your spirit leading our life. So Lord, we love you. Would you, would you do this in our lives? In your name we pray, amen.